does it, is it just me or does it not seem like uh, everybody has an opinion anymore and most of the time it's a negative opinion because that's how we are? That's what a high school student named Gracie Cunningham experienced recently. She was getting ready for school, doing her makeup, and she was thinking about math and decided to post a little video to TikTok just on her musings about math. She said this, uh, among other things, I know math's real because we all learned it in school, but who came up with this concept? I get addition, like, hey, you take two apples and add three, it's five, but how would you come up with a concept like algebra? Who would need it? I love what she's thinking. She's thinking about math at a deeper level. She's inquisitive. She's curious. I wish a lot of people would think deeply about subjects like this. Um, she posted her video to, to TikTok, and it got a few clicks and a few views, but that's not really what drives engagement, right? Sadly, it's not when you post something like that. It's when things go negative, when there's mockery. So one viewer saw her video, reposted it to his own account on Twitter, and with the caption of, this is the dumbest video I've ever seen. Ironically, he misspelled I've, so. <laughs> that's when her video went viral, 25 million views, people saying things like, this girl is an idiot, how can she not understand math? Completely missing the point of what she had done in her own video, because that's what we do. We just, uh, we're sarcastic and we're snarky and we like to slam on other people and dunk on other people, but, uh, she, Gracie, actually experienced a, a great comeback from this. Several noted mathematicians also posted on her video and said, this is brilliant. This is how we think. This girl is thinking about the deeper levels of math. It's what drives us to engage at a deeper level. One uh, math, math, mathematician in particular, Dr. Eugenia Cheng, talked about, posted a several-page response, said she thought she was brilliant. You all should just basically shut up. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's nice when something like this turns out that way, but it doesn't always. You and I both know anytime you try to do something, say something, be something, there's going to be somebody who's going to be critical and negative about it. And that's why we're talking about be positive. We want to get on the flip side of that. But how do you deal with life when you know that there's always going to be a critic out there taking a pot shot at you? Well, I would tell you this. Just understand, as, as we go forward, you're going to be criticized. How do I know that? Because the world's, literally the world's greatest man and the world's only perfect person, was, they were both criticized. If you go to the Bible and you go to Matthew chapter 11, I'll just read this to you. These are the words of Jesus, and he's actually talking about John the Baptist in verse 11, and he says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. And Jesus is just making a point. Of all the people in humanity who have walked the planet up to the time of Jesus, the, only world, the world's only perfect man says, John the Baptist was the greatest. And then Jesus goes on then in verse 16 and says this, you know, what can I compare this generation to? It's like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance, so we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say, well, he's possessed by a demon. Well, the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, well, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. People are always going to find reason to take fault. They... They took pot shots at John the Baptist because he wouldn't eat and drink. He only ate locusts and honey, and he fasted a lot. Like, oh, he's obviously demon-possessed. The world's greatest man. Then the world's perfect man, Jesus, and people took pot shots at him. He's perfect. And they're like, okay, so you're eating and drinking too much. You hang around with the wrong kind of people. The two most important people in human history up to that point got pot shots taken at them. What, what does that tell you, and what does it tell me? You're going to be criticized. 
Just accept it. No matter what you do, no matter how careful you are about what you say, no matter how careful you are about the example you set, people are going to have an opinion about it. It's often going to be negative. You think about the Apostle Paul. A good chunk of the Bible written by this man. The things that I know about Jesus and about understanding my faith and you too. I come, come through the Apostle Paul. He planted churches. There are so many people who are Christians right now because of him. They're in heaven right now because of him. And people in the churches he planted and he baptized these people and he led them to the Lord took pot shots at him. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Moses leading the people, the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt to the land that God promised them. They complained every step of the way. If they didn't avoid criticism, you won't either. Just accept it. You are going to be criticized. So what do you do with that? Do you just try to hunker down and never do anything, never say anything, never have an opinion? I don't think you need to do that. I can maybe give you an analogy about how we go forward in this way. It was about seven years ago. I was hiking on the Appalachian Trail, North Carolina. It was in the summer, hot, humid, sweaty afternoon. I had just gone through an old homestead, an old farm that had been there since the 1800s. It had been abandoned for maybe 100 years. Went through an overgrown apple orchard, still had apples. Beautiful place. I was about halfway up a mountain when it just got dark. We know how that is in Missouri. and just feel like this sense of ominousness. And then there was this loud rumbling. I thought, well, that wasn't a truck. <laughs> And then a flash of light, and just in a moment, it just started pouring. And I'm halfway up the mountain, so what do I do? And first, my thought was, okay, this is probably dangerous. And I hunkered down under a blown-down tree, and I thought, well, I'll stay dry here and wait out the storm. Well, I was getting soaked. So finally, I just decided, I'm going to be soaked if I stay here. I'm going to be soaked if I walk. I might as well go ahead and go on up to the top of the mountain. And I did. I got to the top of the mountain just as the storm broke. And I got to see this. And I think we got a picture of it, maybe. I got to see myself standing at the top of a mountain. <laughs> Do we have it? No, we don't. don't. Hey, well, I was going to say, use your imagination. Picture a beautiful scene. It was. And, and I, just, I want you to think about this. You can hunker down and hide from the criticism, or you can just move forward. And I think that's probably the best thing to do. Let me give you a couple of uh, ideas about how you can do that. First of all, you know you're going to be criticized. You can choose to accept or reject the criticism. You may not be able to control what people say about you or think about you, but you can certainly control your response. And sometimes there's a time to accept the feedback or the criticism people are giving you because sometimes, you know, no matter how untrue it feels or how unfair it feels, people are telling you something that is true and you would do well to listen to it because even in the worst criticism with the, the worst intentions, there might be something there that will help you move forward. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31 and 32 says this. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the, the wise. Yeah, if you reject discipline, you're only harming yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. I mean, this is great. Listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you listen to correction, you'll grow in understanding. There is a time to accept the criticism that comes your way, or at least portions of it, to think it through. I would argue that some people, maybe, maybe all of us at one point or another, aren't moving forward as much as we could and we're not becoming the mature people we could be because we're just out of hand rejecting any feedback that comes our way. I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to accept that maybe there's some things that I'm doing wrong. And there's a fantastic book that's been really helpful to me. I think it's even available at our library here and it's called Thanks for the Feedback. 
And it's not really a book about how to tell people what's wrong with them better so they finally listen to you. It's really about me and you just accepting the, the comments and the critiques that are coming our way and learning how to discern the good from the bad and how to become wiser people, how to become uh, better in our understanding. One of the things the authors talked about early in the book that was really helpful to me is there are a few triggers that get in the way of our ability to receive something that somebody's sharing with us that actually could be helpful. And one of them was just, they call it a truth trigger, when someone says something to you that you just immediately go, well, that is so wrong that I'm just going to stop listening to you because, you know, what, the, the thing you're, that you're saying just doesn't seem right to me. And so you just shut it down. Like, maybe there is a situation where they just don't have all the facts. And so, you know, if you just told them a couple of things, they go, oh, yeah, you're right. But maybe it's just that it sounds wrong, but it, it's that you've got a blind spot. And there's someone who actually cares about you enough to tell you this is going on and you would do well to go this doesn't feel right to me but I'm going to listen to you because I want to be a wiser person and then they talk about relationship triggers it's not that what you're saying is wrong it's just that you're wrong I don't want to hear it from you right like you, somebody's telling you something you're like we started the company at the same time why do you think you know more than I do so they might be telling you the truth, but just because of who they are to you, you don't want to hear it. You know, maybe it's somebody in your family. I just don't want to listen to you. I don't know that you have my best interest at heart. So there's a time when you just have to think about, maybe if you're the one who's given a little bit of feedback, maybe they need to hear it from someone other than me. Or maybe you need to ask yourself, is this true, but because of it's who's, who's telling me that I just don't want to listen to it. Now the third one is the deepest of all. And this is called an identity trigger. It's when someone is telling you something that, it's not that what they're saying is wrong or it's not that you don't like them, it's just that it hits so close to home that you just can't handle that it might be true about you. It hurts because it hits very close to the, the image that you have of yourself and it contradicts that. And so it's you that's wrong. And when you hear it, you feel maybe even a sense of shame, like, ooh, if that actually is true, then that means I'm not as whatever as I thought I was. I'm going to have to really either work with this or you just shut it down. And these things can get in the way of accepting things that will help you, as Proverbs says, be at home among the wise and grow in wisdom. And you can, the irony of this is it's easy to see in other people, even as you cannot see it in yourself, and I look at Jesus, literally perfect. Anything Jesus ever said, you should just go, yes, sir, and, and believe it. And there were a group of people in his day who just would not listen to him. I mean, maybe if you've read any of the Bible, you've seen him have discussions and arguments with the Pharisees. The Pharisees criticized Jesus constantly as a group, as a whole, and they just thought he was completely wrong. And he, in contrast to that, would tell them, no, here's how you're wrong. And it turns out he was actually right. And um, he had some really strong words for the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Listen to this as Jesus gives them feedback. And actually, he's not directly speaking to them at this point. He's talking to his own disciples. In Matthew 23, 1, he says, To the crowd and his disciples, Jesus said, The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. I, I love this. This is literally God in the flesh saying there are people who are putting unbearable religious demands on you. 
the religion, the focus of our religion is saying, I'm not expecting this from you. They are, and they need to grow up. And then Jesus turns his comments directly to the Pharisees and says things like this in Matthew 23, 13. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you won't let others go in either. Verse 21, blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Jesus is giving them feedback, and it's true, and it's absolutely in their best interest, and Jesus didn't hate them. He's talking so strongly to them because he wants to shake them up. They've got this identity that says, I'm the one who's the expert. I'm the one who's close to God. I'm the one who can tell you how to be close to him, and then God shows up, and he says, actually, you've gotten a lot of things wrong, and they couldn't accept that, and we don't want to be like that. There is a time to accept constructive uh, feedback, even if it seems completely wrong. Even if you think the person may have it out for you, there might be a little bit of truth into what they're saying, and so you would be wise to at least consider it and weigh it. And uh, Because there are times, though, as you do that, that you want to take the alternative. There are times when you listen to someone and what they're saying, and then you reject what they've put before you. There's a time to reject invalid criticism. There are some people who just say cutting, scathing, harsh things. You don't have to stand there and take abuse. You don't have to just let someone cut you down and tear you to pieces. That's not helpful to anyone. That doesn't make you wise. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make them smarter than you. And there are times when somebody will share something with you and you can say, look, I don't think you have the whole story. And you tell them and they go, oh, that's great. That's a rare thing. There are times, though, there's times where you just have to reject it because this isn't right. Proverbs twelve eighteen says this. Some, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You know, sometimes the person who's coming at you, they're just having a bad day, and it's spilling out on you, and you can go, look, this isn't really about me. This is more about you than me, and we're just going to agree to be friends, and maybe we should just stop talking now so we don't do any more damage than we already have. There are times when you just listen to somebody, and you go, I think they're just not feeling good today, and I'm just going to give them a better chance tomorrow. I think of a guy named Ron who was going to another guy's house for dinner, and he was supposed to bring chairs. You ever been in that situation? Bring extra chairs. We got a lot of people coming. So Ron shows up to his friend's house and knocks on the door. His friend opens the door and he says, Ron, where's the chairs? Oh, dude, I forgot. I'm sorry. Well, that figures. And Ron thought, well, that stung, but he went on in and for, kind of forgot about it. But a few days later, he was still actually kind of thinking about it. So he called his friend up and he said, hey, you know the other day when I forgot the chairs and you said it figures? And his friend just cut him off right there and said, dude, I'm so sorry, Ron. I was just having a really bad day. And you were just the last in a chain of things. Because I've been, every meeting I went to at work all day, somebody forgot something or hadn't done what they were assigned to do. So when, by the end of the day, you came and you'd forgotten the chairs, it was just yet another thing. And I was like, okay, that figures. Of course you forgot the chairs. That's how my day's going. And I was just being a jerk. I'm sorry. wouldn't it be great if all the things worked out that way where we just all kind of came to an understanding of why we're being criticized? It doesn't always work that way. There are times when someone is just coming at you, and it may be a deeper issue. There may be some mental health issues there. There may be some physical ailments that just are not allowing them to be at their best. There may be some history of they've seen abusive uh, speech and harsh words modeled, and they just don't know another way to approach life. Whatever it is, again, you don't have to just stand there and accept that abuse from someone else. There's a time to just say, I'm not going to accept this. I, I won't reject a person, but I certainly don't have to accept what you're throwing my way. 
Now, this is a big one I need to talk about, and I hope that this is not a huge category of people, but you may have at least one person in your life who's like this. They just genuinely enjoy criticizing. They just really find it fun to poke the bear and see what happens. They like to stir up a fight and step back. They, they really feel like that God's gift to the world is their ability to see what's wrong. As I, I think about what Pastor Steve Cuss says, in leadership, the ability to see what's wrong is the lowest hanging fruit. Everybody sees what's wrong if you're intelligent. Show me that you know how to fix it. But if you got someone like that in your world who is just incredibly toxic and relishes in it, you probably need to put some boundaries in place to protect yourself from that person because this is it's not really healthy or helpful. Some people just genuinely enjoy sitting in a seat of superiority, judging everyone else's actions. It makes them feel better about themselves. Sometimes it's a way that they bond with other people. We get together and we criticize everyone else. You don't need that. Uh, I was thinking about something. I just had this memory flash into my head a while back. My wife, when our two little ones were very little, had one of those moments, if you're a parent, you've had this experience where your child just has a meltdown. And if you're not a parent and you haven't had experience, you've been that child. I guarantee you've had a meltdown and your parents have had to endure you. And the fact that you're still alive right now is a huge kudos to your parents. So um, my lovely wife was at Walmart in the parking lot having done all the shopping, trying to load one of our daughters into the minivan into her car seat, and she had just decided, I've had enough, which I understand. That's an appropriate response to having been made to go to Walmart. <laughs> so I don't have any fault with that at all. But she, little lovely daughter had had enough and screaming about going into the car seat, and that's when my wife noticed she had that feeling like you're being watched, and she looked, and several cars over, a middle-aged woman had got out of her car and was just standing there watching, like it was a show on TV, with a look of almost like smugness, like I did better than you when I was a mom, and almost a, also a look of I can't wait for you to do something wrong so that I can video it and post it to social media and talk about what a bad mom you are. So my lovely wife was awesome. One hand on the kid in the car seat, make sure she didn't hurt herself, and direct eye contact with that Karen over across the parking lot. <laughs> Stared her down. Just kept staring until the lady finally got embarrassed and went on into Walmart. Because there are some people, let's just be honest, who just really are critical and negative and they think they're better than everyone else and you just, until God deals with them and with that spirit, you just kind of have to do what you can to protect yourself. And, uh, you know, I could cut the message off right now and I think we probably have a lot to chew on, but... I probably ought to talk about the fact that all of us, at one point or another, we've been criticized, and we've probably put ourselves in the position of being the one who criticizes. Maybe we ought to talk a little bit about what do I do if I think that I've got a critical heart? Because we all do at some level or another. And uh, I don't think that we should avoid thinking about what do we do if that's us. I've just learned this about myself and I've not learned it recently, but I'm still working on it. I can be overly critical. It's just partly the way my personality works. I notice what's wrong with something, hopefully with the idea of fixing it, but that's not a great way to go through life, finding all the things that are wrong and pointing them out. It just trains yourself to be negative. And I've learned that I can be harsh with my words, and I'm trying to, I think I shared this with you, I don't even know, maybe it was last year. I've tried to be more uh, pent 
up with my words. Positive, encouraging, is this necessary to say? If it's not, don't say it, and I wanna make sure I say things that are true. So you're welcome to use that if that helps you. I literally try to just stop and think before I say something. So if I say something harsh to you, it's because it didn't catch the filter first, and I'm sorry, and you, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, then okay, I'm glad, maybe it's working. And maybe that'll give you hope that the Lord can help you too, because I think the Lord can change all of us, because we wanna be people who build one another up, The Bible says this in Galatians chapter five, verse 14 and 15. The whole law can be summed up with this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring each other with your words, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. We never want to put someone else down who's been made in the image of God. We only want to say things that if it is hard If it's a difficult thing you're saying, it's only with the intention of building them up. And we'll get more into that next week because I think there's there's so much to the upside of being encouraging people. And this is the good news for me is that God is in the the business of changing people who are difficult and people who are ornery and people who sometimes don't have all the right examples in their life. God can change any of us and he can change all of us. And as I look across the room and as I think about all of you who are joining in online, I love that God wants all of us to be examples of how his grace changes people. And you get to be exhibit A in that. But I want to say the moment you start criticizing someone and being harsh with someone, you're tearing them down and you're not building them up and you're hurting them and you're hurting yourself. Let's just, I, all of you who are in a relationship right now, let's just talk about that a little bit. Because critical words don't ever build a better marriage. And there are some things that maybe are hurting your relationship and your ability to move forward and to be closer to one another. Because the moment that you start to criticize I want you just to be reminded of how much is at stake in your relationship. Does that mean there's never any room for complaints and genuine, legitimate things that we'd need to discuss? No, of course not. That's part of marriage is negotiating negotiating all of those things for the rest of our lives. And in that way, we improve one another. But at the same time, we gotta think, is this really actually meant to build them up or is this just meant to make myself feel smarter or is this meant to win an argument? So... Uh, this is an idea that I've got here that I got from actually from a, a, an author named Tony Newhoff. Her husband, Carrie Newhoff, is a pastor, and she had the idea of going on a criticism fast, and she wrote about it at length and said that was something that was actually very helpful to her and, and Carrie in their marriage, because there was a point in their marriage, even he's a pastor, and she's a pastor's wife, she's an attorney, so there was a lot of criticism, there's a lot of contempt, there's a lot of arguing going on, and we just had this negative cycle going on, and we needed to get on top of it. And one of the things that they found through you know, counseling and just talking it out was go on a criticism fast where you just, you don't criticize each other. You start the clock on day one, and you see how long you can go without saying something critical to each other. And this spouse is the one who gets to call balls and strikes and fouls, not you. Like, I w- that wasn't critical. You don't get to decide. It's your spouse that gets to decide. I think you might find this to be really helpful. So if you're having a conversation that goes kind of like, hey, I really thought that we had an agreement that you were going to pick the kids up from school every day this week, and it looks like I was the one who picked the kids up every day from school this week. That's a genuine thing. That's not a criticism. But when you go, look, you haven't picked the kids up once this week. That's so like you. You never remember anything. You don't care about the kids. You know, there's always something more important to you. That's criticism. And then you reset this clock and say, let's not do that. And uh, if you're thinking, well, they're pastors and pastor's wife. That must be easy for them. Their longest streak was four days. So, and that's after a lot of work. So you can do this. It's an idea that you might want to think about if you're a person who recognizes, maybe I'm a little bit harsh with my words. Let's just set the clock at zero. 
We're going to try to go as long as we can without saying anything critical. And if we do, we'll just reset the clock and we'll try to beat our old record. I think God wants us to work on this. And uh, I just, as I was thinking about this message and working through it all, I actually honestly was praying for all of you. I'm praying for myself and all of our relationships, our friendships with brothers and sisters, with, with our friends, with our spouses, that we would get on the plus side of this. That this weekend even may be a turning point for you where you start thinking differently about the things you say and the things you do and the impact that they might be having on other people. And I think that there's also some things that have been said to you that you need to get out from under the weight of. And you've carried the weight far too long. You may have had words spoken to you that were harsh and critical, and that person's not even alive anymore, and you're still carrying the weight of what they said to you, and you don't need to carry that anymore. There may be things that were spoken to you that weren't even true, and you're still acting as though they were, and God wants to set you free from that. And you might be a person who says, I, I think I know, <laughs> I don't think, I know I am a critical person, and I just don't know how to, like, I, I want to say something nice, but something harsh comes out. God can help you with that as well. Today might be the day where he sets you free from some things that have been burdening you for a long time. Two years ago, 2019, the Colorado Bureau of Parks and Wildlife began receiving calls from landowners about an elk that had a tire around its neck. And for two years, they would get these calls, they would get pictures sent to them from trail cams. This poor thing just had this, and as it got bigger, it got tighter. Well, finally, November of 2021, some agents were actually able to tranquilize this elk. They couldn't cut it off because of the steel bands in the tire, so what they did is they took his antlers off, and they took that tire off, and they woke him back up, and for the first time in two years, that elk could actually be free. And you think, well, the tire's bad enough. That thing was full of crud, over 10 pounds of mud and pine needles, and uh, yeah, he lost his antlers, so that's going to be a rough season right now, but they'll grow back, but he's free. He doesn't have to carry that weight anymore. And just, I want you to feel the same way. I want you to be able to walk out of this experience this morning feeling free. I can't do that for you, but I can point you to the one who can. And Jesus can set you free from anything that's weighing you down. And all it takes is the humility to ask for help, to push aside pride, to push aside the expectation that if I broke it, I should fix it, and just turn to him and say, I need you. That's actually what you're saying when you say, I want to become a Christian. I want Jesus to be the Lord, leader of my life, but I also need him to be my savior, the one who sets me free from things that I can't set myself free from, the one who forgives me of all my sins, gives me a whole new hope for my future that I never would have had on my own. That's, I want that so much for you. I want that so much for all the people who live around us who don't even know that's possible for them this morning. Wherever you're at right now, I know that God wants you to be freer than you are currently. Will you just have a simple conversation with him and turn some things over to him? Maybe words that were spoken to you, words that you wish you could claw back that you spoke yourself, and just let God do some things with his grace that you could never do on your own. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you that you are here with us right now that your love is so amazing that you put us first and you do what is best for us and that you offer us salvation and freedom. And I pray for you just to make this a day of true freedom for so many people who are willing to look to you and ask for help. 
that you will open up opportunities that we never would have seen, that you'll change the way we think and the way we speak, that you will show us that there is nothing that we can fear that you can't overcome. If there's something within us that's deep and, and we just feel so much guilt over or shame or just are afraid of, will you show us that you're greater than all those things, that you have a way out? And I pray for you, Lord, to give us courage to take the next step that we need to take. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.